Hi, I'm Melody Hilton. And I'm Joel Hilton. And I'm Katie Stansfield. And welcome to another episode of Life Exchange. We are back answering questions this week. Uh, And as a reminder, if you ever have any questions you would like us to uh, respond to, you can email them to lifeexchangepodcast at gmail.com. And just a reminder, if you're listening to us from uh, another platform, be sure to go ahead and subscribe to our podcast on uh, any of the major podcast platforms, Apple, uh, Amazon, Spotify. Spotify. By Google. Uh, That really helps us to see who is uh, with us. And we would love to see you and hear from you. So, all right. Well, Joel, do you want to ask our first question for today? Sure. So the first one is, where's the balance between spiritual and practical thinking? So we're using that word balance again. We've, we visited that word in a, in our last episode, I think. Um, But balance is a hard one for me in this Again, um, because I think spirituality and the natural, I think they're really, really interconnected. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times we try to separate the two. Um, well, that that's a s- supernatural thing or that's a spiritual thing and that's a natural thing. Yeah. But we actually weren't created disjointed like that. We were created very interconnected, um, body, soul, and spirit beings. You know, if you don't have your body on this earth, you are not living. You are you are dead um, on this earth. Um, so it's really, really interconnected. And I think um, anytime that you remove the creator, um, then you've made an idol of something that was meant to serve you. So I think if you begin to look at things only in a natural sense, then you're you're um, removing the spiritual sense of what he's actually put inside of you, and vice versa. Um, and I think it, you know if you deny the natural, uh, you're denying a structure that God created. He actually put us in a body. He actually created our heart to beat so many beats a minute, uh, our lungs to be or to to breathe at certain capacity. He created all of those little details that are natural elements of our world. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, if we try to live only in the natural and and say that there's no supernatural, then we're denying God yeah. because. Um, you know, without the belief that Jesus died, uh, was buried and rose again, returned, you know, he, he resurrected without that supernatural understanding, you are denying God. Um, and so you can't, you can't separate the two of these. It just doesn't work that way. So, um, the balance between them, I think you got to know that they're very interconnected. And then I think, you know, there are times when, um, that God asks us to do things that are supernatural. They are beyond our natural ability. Now, um, you know, my belief is that Peter could walk on water, not because that was his natural ability. If I go try to walk on water, I'm going to drown and I hate getting wet. So I'm just not going to do that. But for Peter, he said, if it's you, Lord, bid me to come. If, if this is you, if you are the supernatural God, then bid me to come. Peter couldn't walk on water because it was his natural ability. He could walk on water because Jesus said, come, because Jesus graced him to do a supernatural act in that moment. And so there are times when the Lord um, gives us the ability to do things that are beyond our natural means. But does that mean that all the time we can do that? All the time Peter could walk on water? No, we're dependent on him um, in the supernatural realm, um, but we're also in a natural realm that he created. So... Does that make sense? Like mm-hmm. it, it's it's both. You can't separate them. It's both and all the time. For me, I see spirituality as me connecting to the Father. It's like a vertical. And through that revelation, I'm able to reach out horizontally in practical ways in response to what I have with him. For example, um, when, when I am walking with God as God intended to me, to. Mm-hmm. Then practically speaking, I'm releasing his heart, his nature, his character, uh, uh, the motivations from heaven to my horizontal or my practical world. And I think the more that we can align our thoughts, our ways with heaven, and th- that releases the spirit of God to move in our life, then we have a greater impact you know, in our world. So I think they are, as you said, they partner together. I don't think it's one or the other. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, 
when our hearts align with heaven, God can trust us to even use our thinking, our creativity, our ability to just do what we know is truth in the word of God. Yeah. It might not be a thus saith the Lord, but it sure does align with heaven. So I can do a lot of practical, natural things because I know it's honoring my God. I mean, an example I just thought of was Jesus um, when he returned and he was walking on the, the road to Emmaus mm. and they're just walking with him, just thinking that he's a man. They're just having a normal conversation with mm-hmm. him. Um, and And it was funny because you know, Jesus is like, well, what, what happened? And he's like, have you been living under a rock? Like, how do you not know what has happened? So they were just having a very natural conversation. And then, um, after Mm -hmm. the revelation came, they go, did not our hearts burn within us? And so they were doing a very natural process of just walking and talking. But at that very same time, it was a supernatural encounter because Mm -hmm. Jesus was in their midst. So for me, it's like, like, I definitely hear what you're saying. Um, I think it's just like, I, I think about it maybe in different language of that. The natural can be very spiritual. It can be very supernatural. It's not like I have to be, you know, in church or in Mm -hmm. my prayer closet or, or alone with God for it to be supernatural or spiritual. They're very, very woven together. I can Mm -hmm. be having a conversation with, with Jesus while I'm having a conversation with the person or I don't know. I just see it really, really enmeshed together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, in the church, we like to separate things. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We like to, well, this is spiritual and this is practical. But when you look at sowing and reaping, is that a spiritual thing or a practical thing? Yes. It's actually both, Both. right? Right. When you sow in the natural it has spiritual implications, right? Mm-hmm. The same is when you show grace and love and affection to someone in need. Is that a natural thing or a supernatural thing? It is both. Right. Because yes, in the natural, you're caring for their need or you're speaking life, but it also has the potential to even break down strongholds of lies in, mm-hmm. in the spiritual realm. Mm-hmm. So we have to be really careful not to separate things that God has joined together. Yeah. When you when you look at in in your own natural body, we have two eyes, and if if you didn't realize this, they actually see from a different angle. So one eye sees from a different perspective than your other eye, even though it's slightly, they see differently, and that's why we have depth perception. So a lot of times in the church, many people lack depth because they're either so spiritual, <laughs> yeah, or they're yeah, so yeah. practical. But if we truly want depth, we have to, like, in our bodies, basically what happens is that those two different signals or those two different angles of perspective go into your brain, and then your brain makes it into one image. Mm -hmm. And so that's what causes depth perception. We as believers, we need the spiritual perspective, but we also need the natural perspective. And when they are joined together, that's when there can be depth. Mm-hmm. That is when uh, I think we can have real impact because it's not one or the other, but a lot of the church is walking around with one eye closed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so if we want death, we have to, through the work of the Holy Spirit, take what is spiritual, take what is natural and merge them together. Mm-hmm. And then I truly believe that there will be true spiritual depth. Well, in Colossians 3, it says, whatever you do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I didn't even have a thus saith the Lord on this one, right? Mm-hmm. So whatever you do, whether in word, the things I say, mm-hmm. and my deed, my actions, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Mm-hmm. So we can actually, because we know the heart of the Father, we're in relationship with him, the Holy Spirit dwells inside of us. I've learned through the years that sometimes I thought things were my idea, and then I realized it was really inspired by the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit afterwards, yeah. and recognizing he dwells inside of me, and he's leading me and guiding me. I am spiritual because... The Holy Spirit lives inside of me. I'm born again. And so some things uh, are just so simple to determine what I should say or what I should do, whether it's how I treat others, keeping my word, following the word of God in so many things, giving our very best in every area of our life positions us in a practical sense uh, to breathe the things of the Spirit into that. Like in, in the marketplace arena, you know, I can't 
quote unquote preach. I can't give scriptures. I can't say, well, the Holy Spirit inspired <laughs> me. I can't do any of those things. But just like you said, Katie, right in the middle of those things, I can stop. I can inquire of the Lord yeah. and I can be in a conversation yeah. uh, spiritually while I'm doing practical consulting where I have to use marketplace language and you yeah. know different certifications I have. I'm doing the business per se, but I can feel the Holy Spirit leading me and guiding me. So in the midst of my practical world, I'm actually releasing that of the Spirit. And I remember I was in one consulting job and it was a, in a multi-billion dollar corporation. And I don't use scriptures, but one day it just slipped out. <laughs> and, I, and I was speaking on things and I said, <laughs> and I said, until you lose your life, you'll never find it. And it really didn't sound like a scripture, yeah. even though I knew it was, and it just came out. And everyone, these are high level executives. They went, whoa. <laughs> And I just wanted to start to laugh because <laughs> they could literally feel the yeah. depths of that yeah. because God's word is spirit and it's truth. And when I said that, it just it just captured them, I believe, in their spirit as well as their soul. Yeah. And 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 I just chuckled because they didn't know it was scripture, but I did. And I thought, wow, the power of your word, God. And so if, if we recognize when we live a spiritual life, when we live godly and the word of God is woven, you know, into our, not just our spirit, but into our soul, yeah. the decisions that we make can literally have external, uh, uh, eternal impact mm -hmm. in people's lives. We have to be so careful not to resist the work of the Holy Spirit in our life because we're so focused on one Either it's so practical mm -hmm. or it's so spiritual. I know that there have been times where God called me to a deeper place and he was having me do something in the natural yes. that actually caused a spiritual effect. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like I, I remember there was a time in the church that a lot of prophets were saying, get your house in order. Mm -hmm. Get your house in order. And, and in a lot of those cases, it was dealing with basic things like cleaning up your house because God had you, God wanted you to be on the move in some areas, but you couldn't because you had entanglements in the natural. Mm -hmm. And so there are times where if you're super practical and God says, I want you to shout, and you're like, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you're like, uh, that doesn't feel right to me. <laughs> but doing that can release something in the natural that. You want to God in any other way. So it's so important to be led by the Holy Spirit because sometimes he will lead you in very practical things, mm -hmm. like get your house in order, get your finances in order so he can do what he wants to do. So are you telling me I'm supposed to be funny? Are Did you the Holy Spirit tell you that you need to be funny? Because until that happens... Just be you. <laughs> be you, you and do it for him. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so I, yeah, that's one of her quotes. So yeah. I, was, I was making fun of her if you didn't realize that. So I guess my point is ju don't just assume when the Holy Spirit calls you to a deeper place, it's in spiritual matters. Mm -hmm. He might be calling you to a deeper place and will, like, he wants me to pray more. He wants me to read my Bible more. Those are really awesome and important things, but he might want you to get something in order in the natural so that there is a channel where his spirit can flow. Mm -hmm. It was about three months ago, maybe four months ago, where I just had this unction. I mean, and it's like, wow, Lord. It was at first I'm thinking, Lord, oh, you're not saying that, but it was to get this certification, another certification. Mm -hmm. I knew the price of it. I knew the time cost, I knew the money cost, I knew all these things. And so I kept talking myself out of it. And one day I said, Lord, forgive me. I'm spending all this time trying to convince myself <laughs> not to do it. I recognize you're speaking to me to do this. So I'm going to trust you and I'm going to step out and begin to do this. And that's exactly what you just said, Joel, because as I stopped out to do a, stepped out to do a very practical aspect of a marketplace, quote unquote, certification. It is, 
it is so powerfully impactful that I know that I know that I know that when I'm at the end of this thing, the Spirit of God is going to use this in so many amazing ways. And we just need to stop pitting those two ideas or two perspectives against each other. Mm -hmm. Because, okay, if you're... If your brain wasn't able to separate the two different signals of the eyes, what would it be? It would be double vision. Mm. And our vision was always meant to be, or if mm-hmm. it if it's healthy, come together into two different perspectives into one vision. Mm-hmm. Like I said before, that's what gives us depth. So instead of like, oh, that's too spiritual or that's too practical. Okay, Holy Spirit, how mm-hmm. can I take these two perspectives that seem different. How can I merge them together? Yeah. Yeah. I I think there's real power behind that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The whole idea of, um, it's like the Sunday versus Monday living of Sunday is my day for the Lord. And then I go to work and it's my, it's the natural time where I'm doing my practical things. I think that is so, and we all do it, um, even without thinking about it, but that's so harmful to our capacity as um, supernaturally natural beings. Because uh, if I, anytime that I am separating God from the rest of my life, then I'm making an idol of the rest of my life. I'm making an idol of the natural. So if I'm not going to work thinking that that is just as much worship, then I am, I'm, putting work above him. Um, and that's never the order that things are supposed to be in. He is supposed to be that central focus, that through line in all of every aspect of our life. Um, so that a Monday is just as spiritual as a Sunday is. Um, so whatever we're doing, it can be, uh, a, I don't even want to say spiritual and natural. It's just, it's just the expression. It's the outflowing of who we were created to be. It is the worship of our life, um, responding to the, what he's created us to be, which is both simultaneously a spiritual and a natural being. Yeah. God didn't say love the Lord, your God with only part of your heart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Only this section of the heart. No, There's, it's all of your heart. Yeah. Or like seek first the kingdom on Sabbath. Yeah. No, it's just seek first the kingdom. And the word heart there is not just spirit, it's soul. Yeah. Yeah. Well, even in John 10, 10, where it says the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come to give you life. That word life is not just spiritual or eternal life. Mm -hmm. Yes, it deals with that, but it's in every aspect of your life, in your sleeping, in your eating. If it pertains to life, that is the life that he has offered to us through his son. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so it's practical as well as spiritual. Yeah, I mean, I guess some people could look and say, well, while we're on earth, while we're in our bodysuit, then we're living our natural life and we're just biding our time until we get mm-hmm. to eternity. But what we're missing out on if we think that way, that we can't um, believe what he says, that we can actually um, be bring heaven to this earth. We can actually access the supernatural. We can access the things of heaven now on this earth. Mm-hmm. Um, what what a more rich life to live when we have that understanding that um, that they're not separate. They're not as separate as we think, but... Um, On earth as it is in heaven, yeah, right? Yeah, I, I forget. I think it's an Irish saying, but about a thin place, about how we can actually be in, in a thin place of recognizing that, um, that the separation is not really as great as we think it is. Mm-hmm. We can live right in the... the um, that that thinness of being able to access uh, the things of heaven right now on earth on a Wednesday afternoon. So, so if you're asking this question, we're saying don't separate the two. Yeah, they're mm-hmm. intertwined. They're interconnected. Yeah, they're woven together. Yeah, Amen. So let's go to the next question, and this one's a little bit. Uh, it, I, I wouldn't say it's more serious, but it's good. So. One of the questions was Melody. So this is specifically to to Dr. Melody. All right. Dr. Melody, (laughs) you talk freely about the trauma that you experienced when you were a child. I haven't yet been able to be free to talk about those things I've experienced. What did you do to become so free in sharing your testimony? Well, the first thing I'll say, it didn't happen overnight. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And so we don't want to compare ourselves with someone else and say, you know, Melody's able to do this, so I should be yeah. able to do this. You, uh, one thing I learned, I didn't communicate anything until I received enough healing that it didn't matter who knew. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, before I even shared it, and I knew that it was important for me to share it so that I could help other people who've been in the same situations, I needed to go and talk to my mama who did not know. Mm-hmm. And at that time, oh my gosh, I forget how old she was, you know, maybe 80 or 70. I forget how old she was. But so you I, said it took a long time. <laughs> yeah, 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 because so... I I sat down with her and I said, Mom, I just want to let you know and I want you to know I'm okay. Mm-hmm. God has healed me, and but I, I want you to hear it from me. And I began to share with her. I shared with uh, her like some of the individuals um, and, and just some little basics. I didn't give her a lot of information. Um, and then honestly, I had to spend the next few months helping her process yeah. through uh, because... What I'm a horrible mother. How could have I ever let that happen to you? You and know you that had type to have of thing. Some level of healing to be oh yes, be able yeah. to even help her. It it was I had worked through it enough that I knew I was at a point where this needed to become a part of my testimony so that I could help other people. Yeah. Because statistics, my goodness, I am far from the only one that has. Uh, gone through sexual abuse. I mean, this is probably more rampant in our society. And I don't want to say even more now than years past. I just think it was held in secret in years past. There was so much hidden abuse. And um, so I, I wanted to bring it out in the open because not just for me, but really at this point in time, it was for the sake of others. Mm -hmm. And so I talked to my mom and I shared it with her. And so, so first of all, I did not communicate it until I was healed enough to communicate it, even yeah. to my mom, okay? And then secondly, I only communicated when I know it will be a support, it'll be a help, it'll bring a sense of security, or uh, people will be able to feel my empathy because I've been there, done that, and experienced mm-hmm. those things. Um, and so I wanted people to know that I could relate to their suffering, because mm-hmm. it's so easy even to say, oh, Jesus is the healer, you know, <laughs> get over it. It's like, no, I've been there. You just don't just get over it. Yeah. And there's a process, but the fact is there is hope. And by me sharing where I was and where I'm at now gave people hope. So it was it was a very important at that point in time that um, that I was able to share it. Uh, even now, I don't talk about it to talk about it. I don't rehearse it. You know, it's you use like, it as a a tool. A tool, yeah. Well, you said you didn't share it at all until you were healed enough. So how do you know that you're healed enough? Well, that's, well how did you get to that place because I think that's what this person was asking. How because you said you talked to your mom when she was 80, so this was a 75 almost year. 30, yeah, she's like how, 98, yeah. Like what what was the initial thing that started the healing? Like, did you get professional counseling? Was this just the work of the Holy Spirit? Was it just through years of... Well, at that time in history, a pastor? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, I was hard enough. It was hard enough even for people to acknowledge that a woman was a pastor, let alone, you know, uh, to be able to communicate this and it well i mean the counseling and mental health conversations were not really happening no at that no time. and there was and then, no one to go to and then as a pastor right yeah and really i didn't have anyone to go to mm-hmm. uh but when god revealed it i think the beauty of it is I, I was 37 years old i remember the night when god revealed to me i was a three-layered cake and i might have talked about this one time before on the shame one that uh the bottom layer was shame, the middle layer was fear, and the top layer was control and on it. But at that moment, it was very painful for me. And then there was a flood of memories. Like I had basic memories, but there was a flood of memories. And um, at that moment, it didn't. I didn't feel God's grace. But in retrospect, I look back, is he revealed it at a time in my life where the word of God was so founded inside of me for like 17 years. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I was feeding on the word of God. I was passionate for God. I was passionate for the kingdom. I was passionate for worship. I was passionate for the call of God upon my life. And even though there were so many lies woven in my life, which was the hard part to swallow, uh, the beautiful part was the word of God was in me. Mm-hmm. So there really was light in the midst of my darkness because I knew my God. I had enough encounters with my God, and I've had encounters with truth. So I knew that he was the hope of my calling. He was my healer. And um, so I spent a year and a half, and it was just kind of me and Jesus. And we would, uh, two days a week, uh, Stephen, you got the kids. My kids knew Tuesdays and Thursdays, mom was with Jesus. Uh, he didn't say mom's all messed up, screwed up. And, you, know, so you, just, you know, it was just, these are mom's days with Jesus. And I would just go and get into the presence of the Lord. And it was one encounter after another, you know, him revealing a lie and then revealing the truth. And it was a journey that I aggressively pursued. And I know that his grace was there because I realize that is pretty supernatural mm-hmm. to yeah, go sure. through that yeah separate from community. Now, there were a couple people in the church at that time. Uh, we have a, a gal in our church who's now, you know, head of our children's ministry. And I remember she went with me to a hotel for like three days just to pray over me. And, you know, and I had some major breakthroughs on that week- weekend. And her husband, uh, he's no longer here. He passed a few years ago. But uh, I, I was so messed up and I did all the books. I handled all the administration of the church. And so he would come in and sit aside of me to make sure I didn't make a mistake. So there were people who supported me. They didn't know how to help me get healed, but uh, they were there supporting me. So I had some individuals who happened to be in the church, and I was their pastor. They loved me enough to uh, partner. In fact, Joel's uh, now mother-in-law, she was an intercessor, and she stood with me, and so you know, there were individuals in my life that loved me and supported me and did not judge me, but wanted to see me healed. And um, so how did I know I was getting to the other side is I became more driven. In fact, I wanted the the process to end like now, because now <laughs> I want to preach this. Now I want to tell everybody else. I want to help other people. And, and suddenly the focus got off of Melody onto how God could use me to help other people. Mm -hmm. And he didn't allow me for like another six months. Nope. Like I knew I couldn't do it for another six months. But from where I was to a year later, I thought I had arrived, you know, because there was so much health. But he wasn't done and he, he didn't allow me to do it. And so in another six months, then he's, you know, it's time... I knew it was time. and So the time frame for that was where God first spoke to you like, re- or revealed things to you that there needed to be another level of healing from that point to, to where you felt like you could share it. How long was that? That was about a year and a half, mm-hmm. which now I look back and go, that was supernatural. Yeah. Super fast. Yeah. Super fast. Yeah. Supernatural. And, um, but it doesn't mean I arrived at a year and a half but I was healed enough. And and at that point, sharing it helped me heal more. Mm -hmm. Prior to that, sharing it probably would have been rehearsing, you know, the negative. But I got so much to the other side that sharing it and touching people and being able to invest into others and support others really fed back, now I know neurologically, now the things I was speaking to them were reinforcing what God was doing in my life. And um, I started writing my book. You know, it's an old book. Mm-hmm. You know, it went out in 1999, but it probably started in 1996 or 1997. But just writing my book um, was an avenue to get some things out. And I started that before I even communicated to people. But before I communicated, once again, I went back and I told my mom. So I had to get some things uh, shared. And I've worked with some people who have children. And so I must have told you guys. I don't even remember when I told you guys. But 
you you don't speak things publicly without telling the closest people to your life. Now, Stephen, my husband, he knew instantly. He knew instantly, and he was the greatest champion. But he didn't know until you started walking this out. Um, actually, it surprised me because I don't even remember it. Before we got married, he all I told him was, Stephen, I want you to know that that I was molested. And he goes, oh, that's okay, you know, whatever. And that was it. And I don't even remember telling him that. Okay. Um, but when I told him, he goes, yeah, you told me before we got married. I go, I did? Because I don't even remember some of this stuff. So I didn't give him details, but there, there was enough knowledge inside of me that I remember some things that happened. But they were so buried inside yeah. of me because that made me feel weak. Yeah. So I had to rise up and be alpha woman. So, but his response to me was so beautiful, so tender, so compassionate. In fact, I think it was something beautiful in our marriage because then I began to share with him the lies that I believe. So he could begin to understand, oh, this is where some Mm -hmm. of our challenges were. And then he realized, well, I went through a bunch of stuff. So man, I'm believing lies too. And so I think it was a beautiful journey for our marriage as well. So by the time things came out, we had experienced so many beautiful things as a couple. um, And I know I shared it with the kids. I just don't remember when I did. Do you remember me sharing it? No, I've heard it a bunch just from you preaching. I don't remember you sitting us down and telling us. Yeah. I'm sure it happened, but yeah, I just don't remember I don't, it. I remember a couple things talking about it, but I don't remember just saying, you know, those things. But one thing about when it said, you know, how can you communicate it? I didn't really communicate it until there was no pain. Yeah. See, to speak about it and it rehearsing the pain and the suffering and the torment and all that stuff, No. When I could talk about it. Now, you're just doing that from a ministry standpoint because you feel like how much healing would it bring if I'm not actually communicating it in some level of freedom? Right. And even there was things, especially with issues with men, Mm -hmm. I had to process through some of those things. uh, And there were some very intimate things with Stephen and me that we had to process through together, mm-hmm. uh, but I didn't even go there until it, it like wasn't a part of me. So I could begin to address it in a healthy way because yeah. I didn't want to rein, reinforce the lies or reinforce certain things. And so I could go a lot of details, which I haven't shared. And you know what? When I talk very vulnerably, that doesn't mean I share every detail, sure. you know? Yeah. Uh, because... Sharing certain little details are not necessary. Yeah. You know, I've just learned to say I was molested from the time I was two years old to nine years old. I don't have to give all the details. Yeah. Um, because I don't want to rehearse that. Yeah. Now, like you were saying, you didn't say it to anyone until you didn't feel the pain of it. So I know this is a different process for every person, but right. um, so but that wouldn't be to say like you can talk to a safe person That's to right. a, you know, to a counselor, to a therapist, to a close friend, to a spouse, someone that you could actually get it out. Because something like the very first time you communicate it, there might still be pain attached. Um, but you're working through that. It's not like you're broadcasting it publicly. Right. And when I did it publicly, it was ultimately to help others. So yeah. I had to be at that place. Yeah. Um, so you were doing it as a testimony. As a testimony and as a tool to be able to relate and connect to other people. But there were still safe people in my life. Yeah. It would have been beautiful if there was such a move of inner healing ministry at that time. I would have been running after that. I want to let you know. And when some of those things came out, I still did go to some of those things afterwards. I didn't go in the mess that I was prior, but I still went in because, man, I want to make sure that like I'm really cleared Mm -hmm. of a lot of those things. Um, Or for it to be acceptable to go to a counselor or a therapist that wasn't a Christian, you know, or something like that. Um, if, if, you know, but there were, you know, that's where religion comes in and can keep people stuck. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that time in the body of Christ too, if you, my perspective 
is if I wasn't a perfect pastor, I, I wouldn't even go forward to ask for prayer for healing because how can I tell people that healing is for today if I have a stuffy nose? Yeah. So I can't even go ask for prayer. So I had to have it all together because you felt like you had to be above and that just reinforced the shame because you almost felt like you were a hypocrite because you knew you yeah. didn't have it all together. So now it's just so, and that's another reason why I needed to compu- communicate because the fact is I was living with this. And I remember the first Sunday that I uh, stood up and I said, guys, I want to let you know this journey that I've been on. Not one person was attacking. Yeah. They were all so empathetic. They were all so loving towards me as as their pastor. And in fact, they were going, shoo, because <laughs> those things happened to me too. And yeah. they were like, gosh, I don't have to be perfect. I don't have to, I can go forward at an altar call or whatever. It was like they were so relieved that their pastor was a human being <laughs> uh, who went through stuff and they went through those stuff. And yeah. we went on quite a few years journey of really dealing with inner healing things. And so many people in our body just came to such beautiful levels of healing. And we kind of all advanced together. And it was a beautiful process that we in our little church at that time had. And um, now, what, 25, 30 years later or whatever it is, um, we're able to bring healing of these type of things to the table. And it's not just melody, it's like a whole team of people who have gone through beautiful processes of healing, being able to tell their story so individuals now can walk through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. I think this next question really fits into the previous one, but it's how do I know I'm receiving emotional healing? Because sometimes when you're in it, you don't know if you're really progressing. You don't know if you're really receiving healing. Yeah. So Katie, do you want to, share your thoughts on that? I think this question is one that we often ask ourselves, uh, even privately. It's like, well, you know, it's almost like, when will I be through this? And so you think, well, if I'm not there yet, have I made any progress? Mm -hmm. Um, My personal thinking on this is that if you are pursuing healing, then you are receiving healing. Mm. Um, If you are going after it, if you're actually wanting to... um, to be healed, then I think that the principle of ask, seek, and knock, where the Lord says, if, um, you know, ask and keep on asking, seek, keep on seeking, knock and keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. I think that mm-hmm. that is a promise um, that if you keep pursuing it, you are going to keep receiving it. That doesn't mean you're always going to see it. I'm a big advocate. Anytime I hear somebody tell um, a testimony of any kind, I say, write that down um, because I, I really think that it's powerful and important to have those, um, those Ebenezers, those memorial stones that you can look back on. Um, because you don't remember. And I was thinking about um, my little niece. She's eight months old and she um, is, she can't walk yet. And so she can't even crawl yet, but she gets on this like full body plank and scoots herself up (laughs) to her knees and she just rocks. And so to her at that level, she is, you know, walking is a huge goal. It is like, it seems insurmountable. It's like a mountain she's going to climb. Now for me, I do not remember that moment of I can't walk and learning how to walk. But at that time in my life, that was a big hurdle for me. Now I don't even think about it. It's not even a thought that crosses my mind until I'm doing a podcast like this. Um, so, But that illustration just to say is sometimes things seem so massive and so insurmountable in our lives. And then as we live through our lives we have overcome those things and we don't even think about them anymore. It doesn't mean they didn't happen. It doesn't mean we haven't made huge strides. It doesn't mean we haven't gone from level one to level a hundred. It just means we don't remember it because we did overcome it. Um, so to me, those memorials really help. Um, even having people in your life, you know, sometimes just saying, um, when, when I'm feeling down, it's like, somebody's like, well, remember when you were here? And I go, no, I don't even remember that. Thank Mm -hmm. you for reminding me of the, of how far I've come. Um, so like I said, I am a believer that if you are pursuing it, you are receiving it. Um, and then it's just a matter of going back and remembering all the things that actually you have walked through. Um, and we're always going to be on a journey through yes. eternity <laughs> yes. of becoming the fullness of yes. who God created us to be. Um, and so 
I know it can feel frustrating. I know it can feel slow. I know it can feel um, like you're not making progress, but I think that step of faith or that belief of faith is that you are, you are actually getting somewhere in your healing journey. That is so beautifully perfect, Katie, because the fact is we are all a work in progress. And, and I think that things come in waves. Um, I love the scripture. It says he can't drive, he won't drive them all out in one year. It's in Exodus. Mm -hmm. He won't drive them all out in one year, uh, but little by little, so you can increase. So uh, the more we know the truth, the freer we become. You'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. So the more the truth I get, I come to a level of freedom freedom and healing and wholeness and maturity and growth. And and there's moments in that of great victory, you know, uh, when your little knee starts crawling, that's going to be a major, major, major victory. And then she'll go to walking and that'll be a major victory. Then she'll go to running and that'll be a major victory. And I think that's how we have it in our lives. And if we can celebrate all those miles stones, mm-hmm. knowing that we're going in the right direction. How do you eat an elephant? <laughs> One bite at a time, right? So every every step I make, I'm increasing. Mm-hmm. And then God adds more. Yeah. And I don't know if it was this podcast or the last one, but I talked about uh, the Lord drawing me into doing another certification. Yeah. What? I've grown enough. He goes, okay, I need to add more to you. Yeah, uh, I want you to gain more. I want you to grow more. I want you to mature more. Mm-hmm. I want uh, to provide for you more internal attributes so you can have a greater impact. And and if we all realize that we're all a work in progress, and we also look at, we cannot compare ourselves and just say, well, Melody, you know, you went through this and this, but everyone's story of suffering, especially you know, in areas of abuse, abuse of power, whether it's words or actions or sexual abuse or whatever it is, everybody's story is different. And everyone's journey is going to be different. And so to expect someone to put it in a specific time frame or to look just like ours, it's not going to be that way. And uh, I, I feel it's really important just to allow people to walk out that journey mm-hmm. because we don't know uh, what thoughts, um, you know, how one way do you know the healing is there. The amount of intrusive, fear-based, negative, destructive, shame-filled thoughts get less and less and less. Yeah, And... So for someone to work through, I mean, I had my list. I'd have to, I don't want to say have to, but there were so many lies I believed. I would spend like an hour and a half in the morning going over an hour and a half of truths. I didn't rehearse the lies anymore. I was rehearsing the truth, but I needed to rehearse them. And I remember it was years that I rehearsed those truths. And I mean, two hours, that was a lot of lies I believed. So I was rehearsing a lot of truths. So everyone's you know, emotional bank is is different. Mm-hmm. Deposits and withdrawals and all those things that we we just want to be a support to people mm-hmm. and recognize they're not gonna all do it like us. And um and and I think we don't want to say oh, we we say in church already, what's the difference between a major miracle and a minor <laughs> miracle? Well, if it's my miracle, it's a major one. If it's your miracle, that's a minor one. <laughs> the same thing. When I feel my pain, that is major. Yeah. And you don't want to say, that was your problem? <laughs> yeah. You want to hear my problem? No, no, no. Because when someone struggles, it is major. Yeah. And they need the same amount of empathy as we need in our things. Like you could say, Katie, well, I never experienced what you experienced. So my problems, why, you know, why has this challenged me so much? It's like, no, it is major because it happened to you and it affected you. And so we, we just can't, uh, we have to be very, very sensitive to just allow every people, 
every people, every person to go through their processes and recognize they're going to need the same grace from God that I needed from from him to walk through my things. We're all on a journey. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have to be from trauma. It just might be from negative life experiences or things that have been spoken over us. Uh, There's a lot of things that can shape because the enemy's end goal is to lie to us. Mm -hmm. It's not always what happened to us, but it was the lies we believed from what happened to us. And so it's confronting those lies so I can believe the truth of what God says about me. Yeah. And eventually that two-hour list of of mm-hmm. lies you were combating, uh, eventually those things weren't in you anymore. Right. In fact, uh, uh, like there are some of the truths that I would write down that I, I still have memorized. Yeah. They've done them so much that, uh, and I'll remember why that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Wow. If somebody told me that lie now, I go, uh uh-uh. uh. Yeah. Like that lie is so far removed from me, it's hard to believe I ever believed it. But I think that's one of the ways we can look and see, well, oh, I have grown in that area. I have healed in that mm-hmm. area. As if something that once would have, you know, triggered us or set us off or set us down a, a negative thought path, if it doesn't do it anymore, well, then you've received healing in that area. Uh, And so you might still be dealing with other things. You might still be working through things, but hey, a win is a win. I mean, those are big victories when something that once would have taken us down a negative path no longer affects us. That's healing. That is huge. So I want to answer this question with a question. Oh my. (laughs) (laughs) So what is the ultimate outcome of healing? Well, I believe it's a return to freedom. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a big football fan, and in football, people get in, injured a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and when an athlete is injured, their goal of recovery is to get them back on the field mm. and do and to do the same things that they did before without limitation. I know that there's a football player that is on one of my favorite teams, but... Uh, you have more than one? Well, yeah, that's true. There's only one team. <laughs> one team. But he he had a pretty substantial injury. And even though he came back and played that first year back, he still wasn't back fully. Mm-hmm. And and this year he's talking about he he's back without any limitation. Wow. So the goal or the ultimate outcome of healing is to return to freedom. Yeah. So when whether you're physically or emotionally hurt, the goal of healing is to bring you back to freedom. Mm -hmm. So how do we know we're receiving emotional healing? Well, freedom is progressively being restored to your life. Mm -hmm. You're no longer hampered or limited or restricted by the pain of the past. Yeah. So I believe freedom is a better measurement of healing than feeling is. Most definitely. Because a lot of times the pain would hinder you so much that you wouldn't be free. But as you grow, right, as you get healing, you might still have the feeling, but you have more freedom to step out. Mm -hmm. So freedom is more of an indicator of healing than a feeling. And eventually you have so much freedom and so much liberty that you don't even have the feeling anymore. Mm -hmm. There's like that athlete, there's there's nothing hampering him anymore. There's no Mm -hmm. uh, concern of if I plant on this leg, my knee could be blown out again. Like the fear's gone, the yeah. feeling's gone, and he can go back to being his original self, amazing athlete kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I think it's important when we're judging if we're getting healing, how much freedom is being restored back to my life? Yeah, and I really like that. And you, you're saying it's more about freedom than I'm not feeling. I was thinking about the Israelites and how um, they were free. They were actually free from slavery. They yeah. were in freedom. And their mind was still... But they didn't feel free. Yeah. They yeah. were still stuck in bondage. Yeah, and they were good. they were um, so used to what they had lived in that it actually kept them walking around in freedom in circles yeah. rather than moving forward to the promised land, to their actual ultimate victory. Yeah. Um, so it, it doesn't, it's not feeling based. It's really based on... Um, on truth, um, that they are free. And then I think that's also a really, you know, important lesson is that if we keep our narrative 
in the in the past, yeah. mm-hmm. if we keep complaining as though we're still in bondage, mm-hmm. it's going to keep us in bondage when freedom is actually for us. Yeah. So if we focus instead on on worship and gratitude and um, and freedom that is before us, mm-hmm. uh, even in our internal narrative, even in the way that we speak um, about ourselves, about our process, that is go- it's what's going to open our eyes to the promised land instead of just um, it delaying our our recognition of freedom by just walking around in a circle over and over again in that process. And not feeling the pain of the past is kind of like one of the last straws of healing. If I cut my leg, right, and it was bad that I couldn't even walk, and as it gets healing, I start walking a little bit, but it's with a limp, right? Mm -hmm. And as it gets more and more healed, I'm able to walk and then run. And then even if you touch it a little bit, uh, it's still a little tendered. But how do I know I'm truly healed? Someone could bump into it, and I don't even think of it anymore. Mm -hmm. So you can't always use not feeling something as the judge of healing. I think it is at the end, but I think, like I said before, freedom, being free to do things, freedom of expression, freedom or liberty to express who you are, That those are great indicators um, in your journey to receive emotional healing. I like how you said who you are, and I think that's the core of it is our identity, because all those things attack our value, our worth. Uh, our identity. Um, it, it's hard for us to see that God could actually love us. I, I remember uh, just not seeing value inside of me. And that's why people could attack me. And I would. Be- the problem was I would believe their lies. Well, women shouldn't be in ministry. And I would believe that. Yeah. They said, oh, you're being a Jezebel by preaching. And I would believe those things because I didn't because of the shame, because of the pain and all that stuff held inside, I could not see my true identity. But as I began to get healed, I began to see, Melody, you do hold value. Yeah. It wasn't your fault. And guess what, Melody? You are no longer a victim. I am not going to give them power over my future. Yeah. And I remember the moment when I realized, oh my gosh, it has been 30 years since this happened, you know, or, you know, 25 years since this happened, whatever it was, and I'm still a victim to them? Yeah. That is crazy. And I remember just rising up one time and just like, it it was so revelatory to me. I'm no longer a victim. Um, And so if I I am, no, I am is an identity statement. Mm-hmm. I am not a victim. I am victorious. Mm-hmm. And so I was able to begin to rewrite my story, as it were. I had a different narrative, as you said, Katie. It's like my story began to change because I'm not a victim. Yeah. And it was almost like this holy thing, holy indignation, you know, against the enemy and say, man, my past is not going to control my present any longer. Mm-hmm. And I've always kind of been a stubborn, determined person. And when that happened, uh, it was like one day I remember it so clearly that that's it. I'm no longer a victim. And I think when we are in woundedness, we still see ourselves victimized by the things that happen. And once we're able to get out of that victim mindset into a place of being victorious, recognizing we have the, we hold the power of choice through our God-given identity to uh, partner with God for the sh- to allow Him to shape the trajectory of our life. Then we know that we're on going in the right direction. You know, we're taking. Uh, uh, a road that we never walked on before. The other one took us backward. This is taking us forward. And it's it's beautiful because we do. Honestly, the way I talk to the Lord about my story all those years ago, uh, which is like 40 years because I was 37 when it happened. Oh, so 30 years ago. Phew, I almost <laughs> made myself older than I was. Okay, 30 years ago. It was the way I talked to the Lord. Oh my goodness, my story was very different than my story now. Yeah. And he helped me rewrite my story. Yeah. As you were talking, I was thinking about the analogy that I use with freedom is more of an indicator of healing than feeling is. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times 
you can be really injured or really hurt and not feel it. Mm-hmm. Whether you're anesthetizing yourself or for or you're just blocking it out emotionally, mm-hmm. it it really comes back to are you free to live? And that that goes back to do you know who you are? Yeah. Ephesians really became like one of my big chapters in my healing process. And I want to read Ephesians 1.18 out of the Amplified. This really touches my heart. And um, he's saying, And I pray that the eyes of your heart, in other versions it says your understanding, Mm -hmm. and when the Holy Spirit causes us to see what only he can reveal, oh, we're, we're headed in the right direction, right? So, and I pray that the eyes of your heart, the very center, the very core of your being may be enlightened, flooded with light by the Holy Spirit. And I'll tell you, whenever God shines his light, we never feel ashamed by his light. Go ahead, shine that light, because prior to that, you're holding it all in secret. You don't want anyone to see. You don't even want to acknowledge it yourself. But when the Holy Spirit shines light on it, and we begin to see because his grace, his love, his light Mm -hmm. is there, oh my goodness, you will know and cherish the hope right now when his light shines I am loving and I am cherishing this hope that he places inside of me. This divine guarantee, the confident expectation. So when the Holy Spirit brings revelation, there is a supernatural hope that accompanies that. And we have a divine guarantee. If if we're going in the right direction, the guarantee is we're going to get to the other side of this thing. Our story is going to change. We have this confident expectation to which he has called us the riches of his of his glorious inheritance in the saint saints God's people. So he has this inheritance. There isn't a person on the planet that partnering with heaven cannot get to the other side, you know, of of the past suffering or their present suffering, mm-hmm. that there is hope in this. Yeah, yeah these questions, these last couple of questions were kind of directed to your history and your testimony. So can you just take a moment and just pray for those that might be struggling with emotional healing or, you know, just speak into those things, pray into those things. Yeah. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just pray for each person that has felt the intense emotions of shame, that false identity, that identity, that harassment from the enemy, the fear that overshadows that, that fear of exposure. In Jesus' name, I come against those things. And Lord, I just thank you that the hope of the Spirit of Christ just rises inside of them. And Lord, you have promised us in Isaiah 61, it says, instead of shame, there will be a double portion. Instead of disgrace, there will be a double inheritance. And so, Lord, I just thank you and praise you that, Lord God, they will begin to see your grace moving in their life so supernaturally that where there was shame, where there was abuse, where there was pain, where there was suffering, Lord, you have given them and have promised them a double portion. That, Lord, it's not just a rewriting of their story, but it's having double. Lord, if you or ordain them uh, to impact a group of people. Now you're going to say, now you can have double. If you've ordained them with different skills and abilities and talents and, and callings, now you say, now you can have double of what was originally intended for you because our God is a God of a double portion, a double inheritance. So Father, I thank you and praise you for the Holy Spirit just bringing revelation, bringing clarity, bringing peace. And Lord, we declare and decree that they are all already victorious in you. They are already healed in the spirit, and it's just walking out that journey. Now I ask, oh God, I believe in miracles. I believe in a supernatural God that can do supernatural works in us because I've experienced that. So Lord, I pray for a supernatural intervention of the Holy Spirit in the lives of every person that is listening to this right now. 
Holy Spirit, I thank you that you touched their heart. I thank you for a supernatural anointing, flooding uh, their souls, uh, filling the atmosphere where they're at right now. And I ask for a supernatural work of healing. Lord, in Jesus' name, I thank you for that right now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Um well, we hope that this episode really ministered to you. We hope that the Holy Spirit was present as you were listening. And um, we just believe for you that emotional healing, just like we talked about, you know, some of our processes, it's for you as well. Um, God, uh, God's portion for you is abundant life. So we just declare that over you as we close this episode uh, and we will see you next week. Thanks for listening to Life Exchange. We'll be back next week with more conversation on topics of life and leadership. Until next time, be sure to check out our website at givinglight.org, where you can learn more about our church and access loads of resources to help you grow in your walk with God and people. If you like what you heard today, we'd be grateful if you leave a five-star review and share with your friends. Be blessed. Remember to shine your light and have a great week. Thank you.